0: This is the last week of this series going through Proverbs, and today is probably one of the better known sections in this book. Uh, If you look at the uh, first verse, it's attributed to King Lemuel, who we know absolutely nothing about. Um, And as we're reading, let's not forget the rule that we've been using all along, that Proverbs are general principles meant to show what it's like to have a life completely devoted to God. And that's true this morning. Uh, There are some things in this passage that work sometimes and some things in this passage that don't always work. But it's, generally speaking, it's a pretty good rule of thumb. It's a good way to live your life. As I've already said, we don't know much about this guy named Lemuel other than what we have here. Uh, some scholars believe that he, along with Agur, who we looked at, was possibly not an Israelite. He may be a foreigner. And in that case, he would have been a foreign king living in the vicinity of Israel and would have had a knowledge of The religion and the writings of the Jews. Uh, As I mentioned last, uh, the last sermon in this series in the Talmud, which are the Jewish rabbinical writings, there's some suggestion that Agur and Lemuel may have been named for King Solomon, but we just don't know. Either way, whoever Lemuel is or was, the wisdom contained in this section is worth examining. And like I said, it's probably going to sound familiar to us. It's interesting that when you go back at the very beginning of the the Proverbs, it begins with the words of a father, King Solomon speaking to his sons, and it ends with the words of a mother. This reinforces the idea that we've looked at several times there in this sermon series is home is where children should be taught truth. Sunday school, our Bible studies, church is important, But children should learn first and foremost about the Lord in their homes. That's why some of these Proverbs are so especially important. And it is the responsibility of both parents. We begin Proverbs with King Solomon, the dad. And now we finish with Lemuel's mother. Making sure that they are working together to teach their children the ways of the Lord. And we know that Proverb, if you train up a child in the ways of the Lord, when he's older, he will not depart from it. Chapter 31, as I said, is described as the sayings of this king Lemuel, which were taught to him by his mother through a prophetic utterance. It says it's an oracle. That means the Holy Spirit revealed these things to her, and then she passed them on to her son. It's interesting that this word oracle, we hear a lot about it. If you studied mythology when you were in school, oracles were these mystical people that shared wisdom from other places. But the word literally means a burden. So when you think about it in those terms, the prophets, whenever God gave them an oracle or a vision, it was a burden. They understood that these were very valuable teachings that should be taken seriously. They should be passed on, and in this case, from parent to child. And the weight of the responsibility, the burden, was on the parents to make sure that their children were taught the correct things and then brought up in them so that the children would not wander far off. The first nine verses in this, and we're going to read the whole proverb, it's not very long. The first nine verses warn against pursuing the lusts and desires of the flesh. And in them we see godly counsel from a woman who desires her son to grow up and be a righteous leader. She tells him to stay away from the things that can pollute you. And she warns him to watch out for all of these different things. So if you have your Bibles open... The verses will be up on the screen this morning, but we're going to read verses 1 through 9 and then stop for just a moment. The words of King Lemuel, a pronouncement, that's that word oracle, that his mother taught him. What should I say, my son? What son of my womb? What son of my vows? Don't spend your energy on women or your efforts to those who destroy kings. It is not for kings, Lemuel, it is not for kings to drink wine or for rulers to desire beer. Otherwise he will drink, forget what is decreed, and pervert justice for all the oppressed. Give beer to the one who is dying and wine to the one whose life is bitter. Let him drink so that he can forget his poverty and remember his trouble no more. Speak up for those who have no voice, for the justice of all who are dispossessed. Speak up, judge righteously, and defend the cause of the oppressed and needy. When you look at the lives of both King David and King Solomon, their lives were derailed by relationships they had with different women, especially King Solomon. He married foreign women and brought them in and allowed them to bring their gods with him. And ultimately it caused the, the split of the kingdom under his son's reign. David and Solomon both knew God's standards but chose to ignore them and follow their own desires. You look at King David, a man after God's own heart, and we are all familiar with the sin he committed with Bathsheba. He committed adultery, and then that led him to commit murder and have her husband killed. And their behavior set things in motion that ultimately destroyed the kingdom. Lemuel's mother warns him, When he was just a boy, before he ever became king, she warned him about falling into those temptations. Young men, in fact, there are a lot of books written about this, a lot of messages. Young men, especially, are tempted in these areas. I'm not sure why it is that young men seem to be much more susceptible to it than young women, but it's a truth. And Lemuel's mom understood that young men have that burden on them. And she tells him, don't think like that. Don't live like that. Don't act upon those urges. They'll only bring you down. They will only destroy you. And then she moves on and warns him about alcohol in its many forms. It distorts thought processes. It muddies clear thinking. And she says a ruler should keep his mind focused on what's important. A ruler should have his mind clear and not clouded by any sort of intoxicating substance. It shouldn't be dulled by participating in excessive drinking or in mind-altering substances. She goes on to say that people that get extremely intoxicated, they use it in dire situations oftentimes to forget about their circumstances and to forget about their situation. We will probably all have heard the term or familiar with the term drinking your cares away. She even says that alcohol can be used for those who are dying, who are in pain. She's like, if you want to use alcohol to dull your senses, give it to those who are perishing so that they can take their mind off the pain and take their mind off the misfortunes in life. She says, but you, you need to have a clear mind. You need to be sober in your thoughts. You have important responsibilities and you don't need anything clouding your judgment or impairing your vision. And then lastly, she tells him that he should be willing to stand up for those who have no voice and speak for those who cannot defend themselves. All throughout the Old Testament, especially when you get into the prophets and really when you get into the minor prophets, One of the things God continually rebukes His people throughout the entire Old Testament is injustice. And we hear a lot about injustice today because if you look at the things going on in our world, there is injustice. Things don't always work the way they should. People are not treated the way they should be treated. And God told His people then, I believe He still tells us as believers, that we need to take care of people who can't take care of themselves. You see in the book of James says, if you want to prove that you have faith, take care of one another. Let your faith speak through your actions. That doesn't mean we sacrifice social justice or the pursuit of social justice for the truth. We have to stand for both. It seems so many people have swung the pendulum one way or the other. There are some people who are genuinely concerned about biblical truth that just don't care about injustice. They don't care about the poor and the needy or the oppressed. And then there are people on the other side that that's all they care about. And they're willing to sacrifice the truth of Scripture as long as they're being socially conscious. We need to find a balance. We don't sacrifice one for the other. We are called to take care of one another. We are called to take care of those who can't take care of themselves, but not at the expense of Scripture. And she's telling her son, you're going to be the leader. People are going to look to you as the example And you need to speak up for those who can't speak up for themselves. Her advice is fit for a leader. She says, you are to be moral. You are to be sober and compassionate. Now, I'm not saying that fathers don't teach those things to their children, but that sounds a lot like a mom to me. Sounds a whole lot like a mama telling her son, you better grow up and be a good boy. Grow up and do the things that you know are right. And the last section of Proverbs really sounds like a mother. Let's continue reading in verse 10 and read through the rest of the chapter. Who can find a wife of noble character? She is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will not lack anything good. She rewards him with good, not evil, all the days of her life. She selects wool and flax and works with willing hands. She is like the merchant ships, bringing her food from far away. She rises while it is still night and provides food for her household and portions for her female servants. She evaluates a field and buys it. She plants a vineyard with her earnings. She draws on her strength and reveals that her arms are strong. She sees that her profits are good and her lamp never goes out at night. She extends her hand to the spinning staff and her hands hold the spindle. Her hands reach out to the poor, and she extends her hand to the needy. She's not afraid for her household when it snows, for in all her household are double clothed. She makes her own bed coverings. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known at the city gates where he sits among the elders of the land. She makes and sells linen garments. She delivers belts to the merchants. Strength and honor are her clothing, and she can laugh at the time to come. Her mouth speaks wisdom and loving instruction is on her tongue. She watches over the activities of her household and is never idle. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also praises her. Many women have done noble deeds, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive. Beauty is fleeting. But a woman who fears the Lord will be praised. Give her the reward of her labor and let her works praise her at the city gates. We see that passage used a lot at Mother's Day for Mother's Day sermons. And we've got a good friend back up in the north. She says, Lee, if you preach at Mother's Day, don't preach Proverbs 31. And she was kind of joking. She's like, that gives us a standard that no woman on earth could keep up with. Well, I understand that. That's a pretty lofty goal to try to achieve when you read about the characteristics here. But remember what we said back at the beginning. These are general rules. Not every situation applies to every person. It's a good suggestion for how you should live about your life. A preacher friend of mine and I were once talking about this passage, joking about whether or not we were going to use it on Mother's Day, and it really got me to thinking about what is actually being said here. That's one thing we have to do when we're looking at sections of scriptures. We have to see what it says, but it is also important to see what it is not saying. I don't believe Proverbs 31 is holding up an example and saying, all right, ladies, get to it. If it was, we'd be setting you up for failure. That takes a perfect woman right there, and none of us are perfect. But I could find passage where it tells men how they should live, and if I held those up, guess what, guys, we couldn't do it either. But it's a good rule of thumb. This model wife But my buddy, as we were talking about it, he said, that is one way to look at it. That this is the idea. Telling a son what kind of woman she would choose for him. He says we should call it, and this is his title, I'm not this clever. Ain't no lady good enough of my baby. I thought that was pretty funny. And it's meant to be a joke and it's meant to be humorous. But I do think he is on to something. Let's go back through this really briefly and pay attention to the woman being described and ask ourselves, is this meant to be taken literally? Is this a command given to women saying you better do every single one of these things? Or is there a principle being addressed here? Let's go back and look at verses 10 through 12. Who can find a wife of noble character? She is far more precious than jewels. Those of us who have adult children, and I think this applies to to finding husbands for our daughters as well. Did you stress and fret about who your son or daughter might find as a mate? Did that ever cross your mind when they were little kids growing up? What kind of person is he or she going to marry? Are they going to be godly people? Notice what it says. It says, a wife of noble character. And I do believe this applies to men as well. Husbands of noble character. It's just important for young ladies to find godly men as it is men to find godly women. She is far more precious than jewels. I have seen so many people, some of them my own age, and they get on social media and they talk about going out into the clubs and going here and going there and they just can't seem to find the right person. I'm like... Where are you looking? What are you looking for? If you're looking for a wife or a husband and you're out in a club doing that, then you're going to get what you're looking for. You're going to find exactly what you're looking for there. If you're looking for someone who has a noble character, someone who fears the Lord, and I'm not saying this is the only reason you should come to church, but that might be a good place to look for a wife or look for a husband. Rob and I were quite older than most of our classmates both times we went to Bible college, but it always amazed me to see these young men and women who were getting married and they're still married today and now they're having kids. And you know where a lot of them met? Summer camp, at Camp Rudolph or Camp Roanoke, or one of these camps, or they grew up together, going to Sunday school, going to church together. When you look at some of the people out in the world, and we have to be really careful not to be judgmental, but there are a lot of people, and I've still got a 15-year-old daughter, so I still worry about this a lot. I've got a five-year-old grandson, and I worry about it because a lot of people in this world just don't care about being noble and living moral lives. And when you find someone who has those values, that is truly precious because it seems like they are so few in the world we live today verse 11 says that when you find this person this person with a noble character this person who fears god notice verse 11 says the heart of her husband trusts in her and he will not like anything good if you're looking for godly characteristics in your spouse or your future spouse whether you're a young man or a young woman and you find someone who exhibits these godly characters, then guess what you're going to get? You're going to see God in your relationship. Verse 20 says, She rewards him with good, not evil, all the days of her life. And we're not going to read through all these different business ventures that this hypothetical spouse goes through. They are interesting But I think the principle we see here is not necessarily that she starts her own business. That's what it sounds like, kind of. She's got her own business on top of taking care of the family. I'm sure you ladies have noticed that in this passage. Not only is she taking care of her husband and she's raising the kids and she's taking care of the home, she's out making money too. I don't think the Bible is telling us that that's what we're supposed to do. But this woman, and I do believe it's a hypothetical. I do believe it's a principle. This is a productive woman who is not sitting idle. Look at verse 15 specifically. She rises while it is still night and provides food for her household, portions for her female servants. This is a woman who is willing to serve. This is a woman who is compassionate. This is a woman concerned about taking care of the needs of others. And yes, guys, I believe this applies to us as well. As husbands, we should be productive and, busy and make sure that we are taking care of the needs of our family. It's a godly principle whether we're talking about a woman or a man. And when you remember that this is a mother talking to her young son. I believe he probably took her advice. Because I believe he probably saw his own mother exhibit these same characteristics. And these same principles in her life and it made a profound impact on him. It made enough of an impact on him that he recorded the things that his mother said to him as he was a child. How many of you can remember things that your parents or your grandparents sat you down and told you when you were younger? I can think of different things that my grandfather who passed away when I was just 17. Now mind you, it's not biblical type information, but it was good practical information Good things for a young man to know, and I still remember them all these years later. Granddaddy would sit down and say things, and I tried to listen. I wish I'd have listened a little more, but at 17, you're 17, and you know everything anyway. And it's amazing to me now that at the age of 50, this past week, we had two Thanksgivings. My mom and stepdad came up Wednesday, and then Thursday, Robin and I went down and saw my father. And even at 50, I'm a father of grown children. I'm a grandfather. I sat and still listened to my mother and my stepdad. And I listened to my dad and my stepmother and those who were older than I am, still trying to learn, still trying to listen, still trying to get this kind of wisdom. Because as a dad and a granddad, they've gone before me in both of those categories. They have been parents, they have been grandparents, they are now great grandparents, and they have wisdom to share. And hopefully I'm wise enough now to be quiet and listen. I think King King Lemuel listened to his mother's advice. Unfortunately, we don't know anything about him. We don't know what kind of relationships he had. We don't know what kind of king he was. But the fact that he's recording wisdom and the fact that God, through His Holy Spirit, has preserved it for us in His Word, I think he probably took it to heart. I think he probably listened. And I think it probably meant something if you go down and read every single one of these verses i can understand why some ladies like our friend up in pennsylvania says
1: there's no way i can
0: do that there's no way i can be that person that's a perfect wife that's a perfect mother but here's the great thing we don't have to be perfect we're supposed to be good parents we're supposed to be good spouses But the truth is, is nobody can live up to those standards. Nobody can live up to the standards that Scripture gives for every single one of us because the standard that God has given all of us is what? Perfection. That's what He wants from every single one of us. The word sin in Greek actually means to draw back a bow, shoot an arrow at a target, and miss your target. And every single one of us have done that. Now, some of us have gotten a lot closer to the target than others. Let's just be honest. But every one of us is missed. No one can live up to these standards. But the beautiful thing is because of what God has done for us, because of what Jesus accomplished for us, even when we miss the mark, even when we miss some of these things in our lives, we have grace and we have forgiveness and we have God's Spirit living within us so that we learn from our mistakes. And then we can take this type of advice and apply it to our lives. I do want to switch back to the mom focus real quick before we leave because this is a beautiful passage of Scripture on Mother's Day to honor our mothers. It's a beautiful passage of Scripture for us husbands to honor our wives, especially if we're blessed and fortunate and have wives of noble character, we understand just how valuable they are, and hopefully we treasure them. But I like the last part of this passage. Verse twenty-six, it says, "Actually, let's go back to verse twenty-five. Strength and honor are her clothing, and she can laugh at the time to come." My mom's got a pretty good sense of humor. I hope I acquired it from her. But my mom, my, my mom is funny. Now, she can be serious, and you don't want to get on her bad side, but I love the idea that she can laugh when it's time to laugh and has a smile on her face. Her mouth speaks wisdom. Loving instruction is on her tongue. And I understand that in this fallen world, there are always exceptions to this. But in my lifetime, not that I don't love my children, not that I don't love my grandson, but I can guarantee my wife loves him more intensely than I do. There's something about a mother's love. And I understand that there are exceptions, but generally speaking, there's just something about a mother's love. And when you have those relationships and you love your mother and there's respect and honor, the things that she has to say to you, they're wisdom. And when you get older, like we have gotten older, those words come back. She watches over the activities of her household and is never idle. I especially like this part. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also praises her. Many women have done noble deeds, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive, beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord will be praised. Give her the reward of her labor and let her works praise her at the city gates. For those of us who have young men, wouldn't that be a great wife? Wouldn't that be a great daughter-in-law to have? For those of us who have daughters, take those same qualities and characteristics. Wouldn't that be a great son-in-law to have? I'll go back and say something I just mentioned when we started, and this is how we'll close. Proverbs begins with a father sharing wisdom with his son. And it ends with a mother sharing wisdom with her son. It is up to us as the parents and grandparents and great-grandparents. Because in the world we live in, oftentimes just the great-grandparents and the grandparents who are stepping in. It is up to us. The burden is on us. To make sure we teach these things to our children. I think that's the point that King Lemuel wanted to get across. It is up to us to make sure that the next generations are godly. That they fear the Lord. And when they get to that age where our young young sons are looking for wives. And our young daughters are looking for husbands. That it won't be so hard to find a husband or a wife of noble character. But it begins at home. And we in the church, it is our job to support and come alongside and help so that we will raise up a generation. All throughout the Old Testament, you see these kings. And it said, This one did evil in the eyes of the Lord. He did not do the things of his father. And it cursed Israel throughout their whole history because they didn't do a good job of teaching the ways of the Lord to those who came after them. It's up to us, it's our burden to share the wisdom, and Proverbs is full of it. But first, we have to take the wisdom and apply it to our lives. We have to demonstrate it in our homes. And lastly, we just have to teach it and make sure that our children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren see us living out the wisdom of God's Word. Let's pray.